Welcome to the podcast to be named later, where we explore the world a conversation at a time. Sit back and enjoy. Here are your hosts, Chris and Kelly. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another edition of the podcast to be named later. I've got my co-host and Ford Family Fantasy Football League 2023 champion, Chris with me. Chris, congratulations on taking the championship and welcome to the podcast. Thank you very much, sir. I was uh, thanks for uh, uh, a, a little a little props there. I, I wasn't expecting that coming in, but uh, congrats to you as well. You won your uh, game. You actually outscored me on the week, so uh, I'm lucky I didn't see you in the championship game. You guys put up a, a, he- a heck of a number uh, in in the final week. So yeah, fun season, man. Fun, uh, you know, you and all your brothers. Uh, you know, it's just. Uh, it, <laughs> It, well, the draft is, I've, I've said this many times, the draft day that we have for that league is, is you know, probably is right up there with Christmas. I actually personally kind of think it's better, to be honest, uh, at this point in my life. Um, and, you know, the, the the fact it gives us an opportunity to kind of banter throughout the year. And, um, I, you know, I think you and I uh, made a successful uh, business arrangement. You know, we had a trade about halfway point of the season that I think was mutually beneficial um, and, uh, you know, it's just fun, man. It's fun to, to have that time. And it's a little bit sad that it's come to an end, but you know, that's such is the way and we'll just have to wait till next August to fire back up. But yeah, fun season, man. Yeah, no, it's, I, I love it. I've looked up. I mean, I've been doing it now for a long, long time. Uh, another enjoyable years in the books and, uh, you know, August, September, whenever we do the draft won't come around till, uh, a bit, but I'll be looking forward to it. Uh, let's jump over, though. We've had the first weekend of our college playoffs. I I think there could be some ultimate irony on the year the Pac-12 uh, gets laid to rest, if you will, if Washington pulls it out. Uh, but what's your take on what we saw yesterday, the two championship games or playoff games? Well, uh, the, yeah, those two games, man, um, you know, I got, you know, as we were getting ready here, I kind of said, I mean, it's, it's, it's what I love about sports, you know, and, um, I had texted a buddy, uh, yesterday after the games were over and, and I said, I don't regret the time that I sacrificed one bit for, for these, you know, so often, um, you know, we sit down to watch a game, you're, you're giving up your Thursday night or, or your Monday night or whatever. And, and, uh, you know, throughout the NFL season, at least a lot of times, it's it's been like, man, why are you why are you giving me this trash? You know what I mean? I don't really want to watch the Panthers and Bears play on my Thursday night. You know, why can't you give me some Bills and Chiefs? You know, and um, so you know, we we do make a sacrifice to uh, to in order to you know watch these games, and and you know, this is a choice we make. Like, hey, you know, this is what I want my entertainment to be for the evening, or this is where I want to spend my time, and. Um, yesterday was so rewarding and I felt so satisfied with, um, you know, what I saw. I mean, there there were four really, really good football teams, um, matched up evenly both games. I mean, the, the Alabama Michigan game went to overtime. I mean, two very, very evenly matched teams throughout and, um, you know, different strengths, different weaknesses, you know, there, there was, um, mistakes made that were, that, that were, you know, could have been game changing and, and, uh, um, but, the product they put on the field and the way they played um, was 
I mean, it was just it. it was, I mean, it was it, it, everything you hoped for. You know, at this point in the season, these teams have been playing for uh, several months, you know, and if you factor in training camps and, and preseason and stuff like that, then, um, you know, you should be at the top of your game right now. And both games, all four teams, I would say, with the exception of maybe Texas offensively, um, they, they looked a little bit sloppy and, and, and had looked much better at different points in the season. Um, the rest of it, uh, you know, all, all aspects, um, it looked like these teams were dialed in. And, uh, yeah, I mean, you know, kind of it's kind of nice, man. So we got a couple different teams in the championship. Michigan's um, had opportunities and, and fallen short of, of uh, getting here uh, the last couple of years. Um, Washington, ha man, it's – I don't know how the alignment's going to work, but am I wrong? Washington went to the Big Big Ten, didn't it? Or am yeah, I wrong no, about they're, that? They're... So this this championship game could be a prelude to a, you know a lot of years to come, and it sure looks like you know obviously they're in the championship game. So um, you know what they got cooking there at UW is. Uh, looks pretty legit, man, and 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 I I hope for the sake of college football. Um, you know, Washington is is that, right? So it's been a lot of the same usual suspects, Ohio State, Oklahoma, Alabama, Georgia. You know, it's it's been a lot of the same teams. And I would love to see uh, a couple new people. You know, Oregon looks like a really uh, – it's always been a really good program. It, it, they fell short of making it to the playoffs this year. Um, Washington got in their way twice. And, uh, you know, it'd be nice to see some, some new characters involved. And, and with the expansion to 12 teams – um, you know, I'm, I'm really excited about the state of college football right now. Yeah, I thought I thought both teams yesterday were uh, quite good. I, I said before we started recording to you, uh, uh, you know, Michigan's a defense and the way they got after Alabama, um, it just shows what, what uh, intensity in teams days are on both sides of the ball because normally – Man, if you can, what, I think it was six or seven times sack the opposing quarterback, you should be running away with that game. But, you know, went to overtime. And uh, really going to be curious to see how Michigan's defense steps, stacks up against Washington's offense and if they can uh, put that pressure on uh, Washington's quarterback next week or not. Yeah, well, that that was something that occurred to me as I was watching. You know, so the Michigan Alabama game was first, and uh, man, I like that so much. I mean, there's there was some uh, games I can remember back, um, you know, over, over the last years of uh, just true. There was two that LSU and Alabama played. Uh, I believe one was for the national championship. Uh, maybe I'm mistaken about that, but. Um, they were high stakes games at a minimum, right? And uh, maybe it was just the SEC championship that I'm thinking of. But um, I want to say it was nine to six uh, was the final score, and um, it was an amazing football game. You know, when when you have a deep Michigan's defense is legit. So is Alabama's actually. You know, both of those defenses are legit defenses. But when you line up for like a third and one and a half, and you truly uh, have a doubt whether that team's going to be able to get it. Like it, the, how this place goes is in question. Um, the defensive front is so strong. It's very possible they're, they're not going to be able to get this yard, you know, and um, that makes for fun football, you know, so, so often like when the Philadelphia Eagles line up for a third and one, it's a foregone conclusion. Like there's no drama in it. And 
you know, there's a little little hint of like, well, maybe this is the one team that'll stop this play. And nope, not, not again. And right, and so they just keep running it. Well, there's no drama. Or if you have a weak uh, defensive front, like when you get those third and twos, third and threes, third and ones, you just feel like, in all honesty, man, that the, uh, the defense isn't going to be able to stop them. And especially if they go for it on fourth down, then they're definitely not going to stop them twice. Whereas that game, with those defenses, the outcome was definitely in doubt, man, because guys were getting penetration. Guys were shooting through the line, blowing up plays. And that, for me, when you're seeing that kind of football where the defensive front actually has an impact on the game, that's the kind of football I like, man. That, 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 uh, I mean, you've seen it on the final play, um, which I don't necessarily agree with the play call myself. You know, I mean, I think you're based on what I saw throughout the game. Like, and he had a long ways to go. It wasn't like a yard. Um, no, he needed three yards, uh, man. Right, and, and against that defense and what they had been doing to you all game, like really, you just want to run it right up the gut like that. That I don't know about that. So, um, but yeah, credit to Michigan. They stepped up. Their defense is, you know, world class, man. And. Um, you know, they'll get another opportunity, a, a really tough test, because here, here's the thing. So got a little long-winded in this. I'm so excited, man. The games were so awesome yesterday, and uh, I had so much fun watching them, and I'm excited about the matchup. So this is what blew me away about Penix. So Michael Penix Jr. was under pressure in that Texas. I don't think he was sacked, man. So all game long, there, there was the Texas defensive front was getting there. And there was a guy or sometimes two guys that was beating their man, getting to Penix, and he would just shift around in the pocket, and they couldn't get him down. And then, you know, and, and now, now he's extending plays, and wide receivers are getting separation. And uh, those wide receivers are unbelievable. I, the only drop I remember seeing was actually by um, number 20, Rogers. The, I think he's a, rook, a, a, a freshman um, for, for UW, and he, he dropped like a little swing pass uh, uh, in the flat. Other than that, and, and these were contested, challenging catches throughout the game, and uh, I, the, that I remember it was the only drop in the whole game. Every every ball that was thrown to receiver, they caught it every time, man. You know, and and uh, if it hit their hands anyway, right? And um, so if Penix can move around like that, I have no doubt Michigan's going to get pressure on them, right? Their their defense is is probably the best in the country, so they're going to get they're going to get through that offensive line from time to time. But what Penix showed in the Texas game is, he, you know, that's fine. I'll just move, and you won't. You, you'll get through, but you aren't going to tackle me. And uh, and occasionally he took off and ran. And you know, for a dude who's had two ACL surgeries and a couple of so shoulder <laughs> surgeries, uh, he's fluid in the on the move. He doesn't run much. You know, he's he's pictured as just a pocket pass, passer. But the reality is, when, when he got free and ran, he, when he was good at it, when he chose to. And so if he can be that mobile again and, and shift around in the pocket and buy himself more time, even though I do believe Michigan will get, you know, through the line a little bit, if he can do what he did against Texas, it's not going to matter because um, they're not going to actually sack him. Not, not much anyway. So, yeah, it should be an interesting matchup. And with the receiving core that Washington has, now I don't think they're going to be able to run the ball probably at all, and especially if uh, Dylan, uh, Dylan Johnson's hurt, um, which, it looked, you know, he left on a cart that that last play was a big one that he that he carried the ball on and got hurt on um the, i don't think they're gonna be able to run the ball much at all against michigan but uh but if he can throw it like he did against texas man i mean washington's got a real shot well i think the, uh i think the game opened up at uh michigan a three and a half point favorite maybe some places had it when i was looking just now four and a half but uh I think that your analysis is pretty spot on, and I don't know. I mean, Michigan 
they uh, their defense was really impressive to me in getting after the Alabama quarterback repeatedly. Um, and I, I really enjoy those kind of games myself as well. I don't just want an offensive showcase, and I don't. I don't also don't want a team to be going three and out because of offensive ineptitude. Um, that's not entertaining. But you know, I mean, I was thinking about this this morning when I was t- telling somebody or something. You know, I mean, football's an odd sport, man. In that, you know, you got all these adults running around after this ball, and uh, really, but. Then I was thinking about what is it really? And it's really kind of a combination of this, you know, not almost wrestling on the line of brute force against brute force with uh, mixed in with this kind of elite athleticism. And I think when you see all those things executing well together, it, it makes it entertaining. And that Alabama-Michigan game had an awful lot of that. A few little errors here and there, and I mean, some of them could have been am- amazingly costly, but teams recovered from them. I just, I can't help, and I, I'll repeat myself here, I was really, I won't say surprised, but I'm like, yeah, this is, you know, why they play the game. To see how much they got at, after the quarterback and the game was still that close is a testament to, what both of those teams were doing. Yeah, I mean, well, it, it, those are evenly matched, even style. Um, so Michigan is what the SEC has been for a long time. I mean, they, they obviously they just played. So, you know, and uh, um, when they have matched up against SEC teams, they, they've gone toe-to-toe with them. They're built that way, you know, and they are, you know, big, strong, powerful, and they have um, – you know, like you said, the the athletic skill position guys, and that's you know, SEC has been the pinnacle for a long time, and and that's why they they just are bigger, stronger, faster than the people they play against for the most part. Well, Michigan is on par with them now. You know, Michigan is is equal or, or better than. I mean, they just played a game, so you could argue they're better than. And uh, that style, I mean, it, it it's always going to translate. And uh, you know, the fact that they had um, two teams lined up that were similarly similarly built uh made for a really entertaining and competitive football game with a lot of drama you know all, all the way right up till the very end you know and the other the, the other game the uh, i'm really i am really curious to see i mean washington's got a track team for an offense man right right so you know, if you wanted to compare them to an NFL team, it'd be similar to like the Dolphins. Oh you know? yeah. I mean, they're just they're hard to keep up with, man. I mean, they're they're all fast, they're all talented. The wide receiving crew. I text my buddy as the game was going on. I said, man, I bet if you asked uh, Patrick Mahomes, he'd he'd trade his whole wide receiver core for the Washington Huskies wide receiver core right now. It's, you know, sight unseen. You know, no questions asked. You just give me all your guys. I'll give you all my guys, and I'll just I'll take what you got. <laughs> and I think Mahomes would be stoked to have. McMillan and Odunze and those guys on his team right now because you know they're making the the difficult catches look routine and uh you know the the uh, all the routine stuff is they just they just never drop a ball man they catch everything thrown their way their body control their body position you know the 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 way they get their hands up late and then um it was just play after play after play as long as Penix get got got it close to him um 
they, they caught it. It seemed like every time. You know, and, and Penix himself is an interesting story. You know, four years at Indiana back here in the Big Ten, uh, you know, but he gets hurt every year. So we really never saw what he can do until he, you know, his five, years five and six out in Washington. And when he's been healthy, I mean, he's pretty, pretty, uh, pretty talented young man. Yeah, I mean, I, uh, you know, and you know, man, that's a lot of that's a lot of beating on your body, dude. You know, two ACLs, you know, two two I think two shoulders. Um, man, that's a lot to put your body through. But I'll tell you right now, well, in my opinion, I mean, point blank, he should have won the Heisman. I believe the success of his team as a whole and what Washington accomplished in a, a really competitive um, Pac-12 this past year. And the, the fact his team was winning. And then, you know, he didn't ha have the rushing numbers. I mean, Jaden Daniels had, had pretty ridiculous, like, stats. But his team didn't have the same success. And, and Penix was the reason why Washington is – what they are right now. I mean, Pen Penix is that is that team. They could not do that with any other quarterback in the country. So, um, I just yeah, I feel like man, the guy should have won the Heisman. And and if you look at how he's playing right now, um, I just he's the best quarterback in the country, man. I mean, he's playing like the best quarterback in the country, better than Caleb Williams, better than Drake May, better than some of these, you know, all world NFL prospects. Um, the reality is, man, he's putting his team in a position to win week after week after week, and uh, I don't know what else you could want from that position. Uh, not much. No, I think that he's uh, – you said it. I mean, Washington wouldn't be where they are without him, but, and uh, I suppose you can say Michigan's done the same, but Michigan's been, you know, climbing this mountain for a bit. Washington – I mean, it's been a long time since Washington's been at these levels on, on consistently, and uh, they got it going on up there in the Pacific Northwest. So um, I always joke uh, with uh, people because, as you know, I mean, I went to the UW, and I, I always joke mine's the real, real UW. Um, but uh, in football right now, the Washington Huskies, I... I am really curious to see how this game goes. You know, um, we always hope for the best, and you know, a lot of these games get really hyped up. I think this one has the potential uh, to live up to the hype. Um, so, well, it's, it's contrasting styles, right? And so, I um, the. Uh, it, Historically, man, I always bank on the more physical uh, football team. So, um, you know, early on in the Texas game, I mean, it was very early on. There, there was a play. Uh, it wasn't a big deal, but, um, you know, we talk about these scrums sometimes and the push in the piles. And, and you and I have talked about it on this podcast before, you know, about what that looks like. And it's one of my favorite plays uh, when a running back's running, he kind of gets stood up. And then here come all the offensive line, and then it turns into this rugby scrum where essentially the, the ball carrier becomes the ball himself, you know, and, and, and it's just a push fest to see, you know, which, which way you can move the pile. So early on in the game, um, you know, Washington uh, ran a play, got about a yard, yard and a half, and then he was stood up but not down. And then here comes all the defensive guys trying to push from one side, and here comes all the offensive guys trying to push from the other side. And the defensive guy shoved them back six yards from that point. And it was like, oh, wow. You know, as a team, clearly, you know, Texas is the more powerful 
and uh, as the game went on a little bit, about halfway through the first quarter, you know, each team had had the ball now a, a couple of times, and and it was like very evident that Texas had the bigger weight room, and te Texas had the better strength and conditioning program, and it's like, oh man, well. Historically, the team that wins the line of scrimmage usually wins most football games, and it's hard to overcome. If you're not the more physically dominant team, it is very challenging to, to win a football game if you're at a deficit in that department. And I would say Washington was at a deficit in that department, but they were, they were much faster. I mean, that was obvious. Um, and, uh, and just more skillful and, and, and executed better offensively. And so that was enough to overcome that, hey, man, we aren't as, as big or as strong as these guys, but we're just going to do it better. And that that doesn't happen very much. And and I think Washington's going to have to do it again because when they show up to Michigan, you know, Michigan is a Texas, you know, supersized, right? So Michigan is going to if, – if you couldn't st stand up physically to Texas, you're definitely not going to stand up physically to Michigan. So now you have to execute even better. You have to be even faster. You have to be even cleaner because – you're not going to have anywhere near the time. You're not going to have anywhere near the push. And man for man, you're not going to be able to out-physical that other team. So now you've got to out-skill them. And so that's going to be interesting uh, to see how Washington holds up. I, I mean, I, I'm, I'm, I'm pulling for it, man. I mean, I, I think, uh, you know, you kind, you kind of said it. I mean, you know, we expected Michigan to be here. I mean, they've been knocking on the door for a couple of years. Washington, it, you know, really kind of came, I wouldn't say out of nowhere, nowhere, but – um, I mean, I think they th thought they'd have a, a, a good competitive team this year with what they had, but not national championship caliber, I don't think most people thought. No, and I mean, you know, uh, I lived out there for a lot, of, a lot of husky tales of woe many years. You know, the Don James era is pretty old now, and uh, uh, it was just rough. I, I, I'm a Big Ten guy, so, you know, i am got mixed emotions on all this from the emotional side. Um like to see the uh, Big Ten win. I guess ultimately they will no matter who wins because Washington's coming <laughs> over, uh, which I just love, man. Hey, at least, you know, our, my conference is in the championship game. Uh, I... I I don't know. I, I'm really torn um, in that, which is great. I think I've said, you know, I like the stories in sports and you have a rooting interest. And I think that the two contrasting st styles, uh, I think we're going to see some really good tests here. Like, hey, can that Michigan defense take it to that next level against a quarterback uh, that I don't think has really been – I'd have to go look up the totals, but I, I, I think that he hasn't really been beat up that much um, this year. And so can they – put it this way, if they do what they did against Alabama, I, I think that Michigan will win by uh, at least 10 points um, because I don't think that Washington has the uh, defense to counteract uh, – and stop uh, Michigan's offense like Alabama could. But on the flip side, I don't know if, if Michigan's defense has encountered a Michael Penix before to say, yeah, you might, you might chase me around a little bit, but I'm elusive enough and my receivers are fast enough 
That's fine, because we'll still play our track game. Well, I mean, it's really going to boil down to, um, you know, errors. Washington, in my opinion, Washington's going to need uh, uh, some type of break where uh, it's got to be a turnover. Um, it's got to be an an error, which they, you know, they, they showed. They, they were ball. I don't know how many balls they tipped, man. It felt like seven balls that, that Ewers tried to throw, and they were tipped at the line of scrimmage. And uh, they were constantly getting their hands up and, and, and getting hands on the ball um, and, and breaking up passes. Now, if one of those turns into a tip ball interception, um, which is happens quite a bit, actually, when you tip a ball at the line of scrimmage, I mean, you know, that's interceptions happen quite a bit on there. And uh, if they can get one of those, but if they just line up and go possession for possession, if they both get, let's say, you know, 10 possessions in the game or 12 possessions in the game or whatever, I don't see how Washington can hang with them because even Texas gutted them with the running game. Texas was breaking off huge runs, man. I mean, they were just controlling the line of scrimmage, pushing the defensive line back, creating creases, and the running backs were running wild. And uh, if you let Michigan do that, I can promise you this. They've shown it from uh, – what game was that? I want to say it was the one before the Ohio State game, but they came out in the second half and ran like 21 straight run plays or something, something crazy like that. They didn't throw a pass coming out of halftime uh, until like the fourth quarter, I think. And uh, Michigan don't care. If, if you let us run the ball, believe me, we will just run the ball. So Yeah, no, um, we talked they, about that last week, and that's what I said last week. I said they don't care. Like they're, they're, they are fine if they run it 30 times in a half. Right. And so, you know, with Blake Corum and Edwards, um, if, you know, if you let us get three, four or five yards of carry, fine, we'll just keep doing it and doing it and doing it. And we don't, uh, that's one thing I actually love about Michigan that I wish more teams were like that. Um, dude, if something's working, just keep doing it. And Michigan is one that absolutely uh, would be perfectly happy winning a national championship if, uh, you know, J.J. Uh, McCarthy goes, you know, three for three for 46 yards. <laughs> they wouldn't care. They wouldn't bother them one iota if they ran the ball 51 times for 385 yards. They'd be like, fine, sounds good to us. Yeah, and, uh, yeah no, they sometimes remind me of, uh, you know, back, uh, it's probably about 10 years now, 10 years ago, uh, when the Wisconsin Badgers, because it's always about Wisconsin for me, you know. <laughs> but uh, I don't know if you remember, back when the Wisconsin Badgers had their little run with um, – uh, to the Taylor? final four. No, I'm talking hoops. Oh, but oh, okay. they were they were low scoring. Man, they didn't care. They might win the game yep. fifty to forty eight. You know, right? And run every play down to the end of the as long as they can, because that was their style, and they didn't care. They don't need to score a hundred. Right. And when I watch Michigan, sometimes I I feel that. They're fine with that too. They'll do they'll do what the game dictates and what they need. And but unlike teams that go to this we don't want to lose mentality, because uh, this is where you you know, when they go to hey, we're gonna run it thirty times, they they know they're still gonna get first downs. Right. And where well, I and, and that's where the challenge is gonna come for Washington is I believe Michigan you know, is going to be able to do that at will. I think Michigan is just going to be able to break off seven, 12, 15 yard runs over and over and over. And, uh, 
So it's going to it's going to come down to yeah, they're going to take, you know, four and a half, five minutes to get down the field running the ball and then they're going to score a touchdown. And, and uh, what's going to boil down to for Washington is they're going to have to work so much harder on offense. They need multiple plays to go right and um, constantly be trying to trick Michigan and, and trying to catch them off guard and hit them for deep shots and this and this and this. Uh, there's a lot more variance in that and um, a lot easier to have a couple things go wrong and have to punt. Whereas when you're running power football uh, right at you, it's hard for things to go wrong. You know, Michigan, you know, they get a holding penalty and pushes them back. Okay, maybe Washington get a stop. The big one's going to be turnovers. You know, can we get them to fumble or can we get a tip ball on the passes they do throw? And can we – or uh, sometimes you can just have that um, – uh, you know, score at the end of the half, get the ball to start the second half, and that is like an extra possession at that point then, you know. And, and so if they can time out the scoring right with the with the game clock, sometimes that's enough, you know, where you just have the ball last, you know. and, and But I think Washington's going to need something to help give them a boost, a little power up in some way, either it's a, either it's a turnover or a back-to-back score or some type of um, – you know, uh, something that derails the Michigan scoring machine that I think is going to exist. I think Michigan's just going to be able to to drive the ball regularly down the field. And by the fourth quarter, that Washington defense is going to be exhausted. So you better have a lead and, and be rushing the passer because if you're behind and your defense is exhausted, then, then that's where it's going to be almost impossible for Washington to win that football game because Michigan's just going to be pounding them at four yards a clip. Well, know, sure, when your defense is exhausted, those five- and six-yard runs become 10- and 12-yard. Right. And I think, you know, you've played ball. I've only watched it, but I think probably giving up those – look, the big pass plays are demoralizing, but I think the big running plays are even more demoralizing – um, just because, uh, you know, it's it's just not what happens in football that much anymore. And when the guys break them and they start just getting the big chunks, you know, 10, 12, 15 yards, and, and it's all on the ground, I think that that – and then you realize, wow, man, there's nothing – like we just cannot stop this. We're, we're not at the same level. I think that can quickly – and I've said it many times, a lot of sports, I think, is emotion. And I think that can take your emotion out of the game pretty quick. Well, and it has a double effect because not only is the def- – especially that defensive line, which, which is the, the uh, you know, the heart of, of the, the run-stopping ability, right? The, the, the down linemen, the, the nose tackler, the tackles, you know, if they're just constantly getting shoved back four or five yards and slammed to the ground repeatedly time after time, um, yeah, it's demoralizing to them. And then the double effect is the offensive line feels amazing. They're pumped. They want to do it again and again and again. <laughs> and so you got the defense going one way emotionally and, and, and losing power, losing power, losing power. Meanwhile, the offense at the exact same time is powering up and feeling better and better and better and and uh yeah so the gap becomes even greater and that's why like you said the, those those four and five yard runs turn into 12 and 15 later in the game it's just like one you know one team is completely busted up and broken down and uh, you know we'll see man i mean there, there are contrasting styles i mean it's a national championship game i don't think there's going to be any lack of effort or heart from either side i mean they, you know and um from what i saw from Penix and the, that receiving crew um the uh um, 
you know, they could play with anybody. I mean, Texas was in on them. Texas was the more physical team. So, you know, if Penix had two, 2.1 seconds to throw the ball against Texas, maybe he's going to have 1.9 to throw it against Michigan or something like that, right? I mean, you know, I think Michigan is even even better at getting to the quarterback and, and, and controlling the line of scrimmage from the defensive side. But, you know, it didn't seem to bother Penix in that game. He, he was mobile enough and fluid enough that he was able to shift around. And if he can continue to do that and complete, complete passes and, and do what they do, um, his downfield passing ability is just unbelievable, man. How accurate that dude is, is unreal. I mean, he, just, he puts it in the bucket every time, Kelly. Like, you know, every pass. He, they gave a stat during that game that his completion percentage – on throws over 30 yards was 53%. So, I mean, that's incredible, that's man. Crazy. And, and And he's, they said, he, you know, his overall completion percentage was 66%, which isn't great, you know what I mean? But, but dude, you have to take into consideration, like, every other play he's throwing at 50 yards. <laughs> so, you know, the fact that, um, you know, they're not dinking and dunking. So, yeah, his completion percentage isn't fantastic overall, like, in terms of all passes he throws. But... Dude, if if every other throw you make is fifty yards and you have a sixty six percent completion percentage, that's pretty damn impressive. And I'm telling you from watching, and I've, I've watched other games too. You know, I watched both the Oregon games, the Washington played, I watched the Apple Cup, I've watched Washington play uh, definitely probably six six times this year, I bet. And it blows me away how accurate that dude is. Like, you know, you watch other guys throw deep balls, even Patrick Mahomes. You know, who who most people would consider the greatest quarterback on the planet. Um, you know, he's off on these deep throws from time to time, man. You know what I mean? He misses, he misses by a few yards from time to time on the deep ones. It's hard to throw a ball 60 yards and be accurate with it, right? You can't drop it in a trash can from 50, 60 yards away all the time. And I'm telling you what, man, Penix, his balls, I don't know if it's the adjustments his receivers are making. You know, I don't, I don't it's, you know, it's, it, it's a combination of things that go into this. And he does have amazing, amazing wide receivers. Um, but I'm telling you, man, when he lets that ball go and he chucks it down the field, that, it lands in the receiver's hands like at almost a hundred percent rate, which is unbelievable. It's it's pretty crazy to watch. You know, uh, you you mentioned you keep mentioning sixty yards, and one of the things that always I do in my mind when I, especially in football, because the numbers are, I think, you know, because they use yards, these distances, you know, and a lot of times we think in terms of feet. Obviously, the math, right? These numbers are cut in third of what they are as far as the feet. And when you think about it, like a dude that's throwing about 60 yards of the field goals that they're kicking him 55 yards, you know, that's 180 feet, man. <laughs> yep. Right. You know, I, and I, I don't know. I got, I got a room in my basement here, dude, that's 33 feet long. Okay. So, I mean, mm-hmm. You know, double that. More than that, yeah. You Six know. times that. And, yeah. you know, yeah, double it and you're only talking 20 yards. Right. You know? And then I think about, especially when you hear when, when the guys are getting down in the goal line area. And, you know, and then, then in this little area, there's 22 people. trying to make something happen it's crazy 
Well, and that's why it becomes so challenging. Um, almost, you know, there, there's been games I've been watching where uh, a team got down in into the reds, you know, in, inside the ten uh, or inside the five, and they got a penalty or something. In my mind, I'm like, oh, sweet, okay, that's better actually. Like huh. they have a better, like a team like Washington would exactly be that team. There's there's no way that they're going to um, be able to run it for nine yards against say like Michigan's defense, right? But I think they have a better chance of throwing it from 15 yards than they do running it from nine, right? So um, sometimes, man, I'm watching a football game and, and, a, and a team backs up or gets sacked or, or has a penalty, false start or something. I'm like, that was actually a benefit. Now they got more space to work with. You know, now now they now they have to throw it, which they were probably going to bang their head against a brick wall trying to run it and would have wasted plays. Now that they're backed up, they're not even going to waste those plays. They're better off taking three schwacks with passing plays than they are, you know, wasting a, a, a run or two in there. Um, and I think uh, when you get down against a really good defense um, that can control the line of scrimmage, it, it, you know, everything's condensed. And so there's just no room to do anything. You can't trick anyone because everyone's right there anyway. So these end arounds and some of some of these, um, you know, plays where where maybe you would have um, a little more space. There's only so far the cornerback can go and the, and the safeties can go. You know, a lot of times, like in too deep, the safeties will be 15 to 18 yards deep. Well, that guy's got to run 18 yards to get to the line of scrimmage. If you're at the two. The deepest he can be is 12, right? And that's if he's standing on the back line, right? So now all these guys are closer, and they can get to everybody faster because they're not as far away. They only have to take seven steps to get there instead of 27 and things like that. So, yeah, against good defenses, man, you get down around the goal line, there's no guarantees, man. I know you're close, but, you know, you're farther than you think when you add up all the additional defensive guys that can make plays all of a sudden. All right, well, I've got two really important questions for you, Chris. Um and the first one, before I get your prediction on the game, uh, this, this is probably the most profound question I've ever asked you on the podcast to be named later. So I'm sure you've read all the stories, you know, at the end of Super Bowls or other championships. You know, they've got T-shirts printed up for both teams winning. And the stories are always that the ones that for the team that, you know, didn't win they send them off to another country uh, as clothing and things. So someplace in the world, you know, you can find whatever, uh, you know. TCU championship T-shirts. So, but here's my question. And I just, both games yesterday, they talked about the amount of confetti that was raining down um, at the end of the game. Well, obviously, they must load that up with uh, the confetti for both teams. Right. So what do they do with the confetti that they don't never drop? <laughs> the stuff that runs through your head, buddy. I, I, I really don't know, man. I have, uh, I have no idea what they're doing with all that burnt orange confetti. Um, yeah, I don't know, bud. It's <laughs> a, a great question that I have never contemplated ever once in my life. Uh yeah, your your brain is a special place, Kelly. Yeah. I uh, I don't know, man. I don't know what they do with all that. I'm I'm not sure what the use for a bunch of cut up paper, uh, and it's got to be a lot, dude, because it's a big football fields are big. So uh, it's yeah, it's got to be sacks and sacks of those of that. So uh, I don't know. Put it away and tuck it away for uh, next year. And if Ewers come back, or or uh, they got Arch Manning there now, so I I don't even know if Ewers will definitely 
100% be the starter or not. But um, Texas has got a really good football team. they got a good football program. Um, they're going to have a real tough road to hoe, though. So, um, you know, they're, they're part of that move around and welcome to the big boy club. So we'll see how they hold up. Yeah, but, I wonder uh, how all these teams that moved into the big boy club are liking it, man. They're going to like it. Well, it's not going to work out for everybody. No. So, um, you know. There's only room for one champion at the end of the year, and uh, now there's room for a couple more people to get into the tournament now with the, with the expansion to 12, but there's not a lot of margin for error, and you know, you're know, you not going to have a whole bunch of Kansases on your schedule going forward, Texas. No. So good luck. Uh, going back to this profound confetti question. <laughs> I wish I had an answer, but, but yeah, uh, I don't know. When, when, like, when, and I know a football field's big. I mean, it's 100 yards. By 53 yards. Again, yep. multiply that 300 by feet. 300 <laughs> feet by uh, 159. 159. <laughs> when they do drop all this confetti, is the field pretty much all covered? Yeah. Yeah, pretty much. I mean, you know, it's it's condensed in little areas and stuff, and then obviously kind of it's kind of like uh, you know when you have a snowstorm in Wisconsin, and you know it falls evenly everywhere, but then when you look at it, it doesn't look even anymore. It kind of the wind kind of blows it into piles and things, and so as you know, all the fans and and um, staff and players and everybody uh, move about, it kind of gets you know condensed into various areas. But, How deep uh, yeah, would you I mean, say it is? Oh, not very, dude. I mean, you know, when it falls, it doesn't fall evenly either. Again, man, I think the the snow analogy is pretty good. I mean, you know, it's it varies. You know what I mean? But uh, less than an inch. I mean, okay, it's, well, it's, it's not like when you see it falling. I get it. If it's a dome stadium, they can drop it from wherever. But the Rose Bowl is an open stadium. How do they get it out onto the field? Yeah, I don't know. That's another good question. I didn't really notice that part of it. I mean, so I, I, it's possible they shoot it out a little. Uh, little baby rockets or something you know they got those like t-shirt launcher things maybe they got bigger versions for confetti that are lined up on the sidelines and they just fire it you know up in the air like a firework well when you, you got some homework to do here buddy you got to watch the confetti drop at uh the championship game and uh see all right does it fall straight down from the sidelines we want the ins and outs well, they're playing in Houston. Is it is that the is it at the Texan Stadium? Yeah, so I know that's a this? covered one. But hey, right. we'll start there, man. I'm not going to make. Okay, if you want some extra here, you want some extra credit. Not really, dude. You you know historically, all this homework only ever gets me in trouble, Kelly. <laughs> like that's what happens is you give me homework, then I don't do it, and then I got to explain why I didn't do it. So here's your bonus. How you can recover it all. You go back and watch a, the end of the Rose Bowl and you get us all the stats and facts of how the confetti fell. What was the angle of descent? <laughs> all right. I think I still have those on DVR, so I recorded all the New Year's Day games. I, I, I can't remember if I deleted them or not, but I'll have to go back and see if they're still in my DVR. And I'll, I'll, give, you, I'll give you my best effort. There you go, man. Well, I got the internet at my disposal. The internet's amazing, so I, it's it's pretty pretty hard to f not be able to find what you're looking for on the internet. So I'll so I'll have to dig around a little bit. All right, let me let me make a note for podcast listeners that also follow some of my other internet writings. You know that from time to time I like to ask unique questions to some of these new AI things, Google's Bard and Bing and OpenAI, ChatGPT. Um, uh, you can guess what I'm going to ask him about, and we'll see if any of them know a thing about it or not. 
but I will. Uh, I, will. I, I put on my 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 to do list confetti angle of descent homework. There so, you go. Uh, I, I'll give her my best shot, Kelly. All right. Second important question: What's your prediction? Uh, I mean, you know. I'll, I'll be rooting for Washington, man, but in reality, I just have been watching football for the majority of my life. Michigan is the more physical team. Now, I don't I don't think they're as skilled on offense, but I, I historically, dude, the, the team that wins the line of scrimmage just wins more football games, and I don't have any doubt that Michigan is going to win the line of scrimmage. I do not see, based on the two games I watched yesterday, I don't see how – uh, there's no way you can compare the Washington Husky defense to the Alabama defense, physically speaking. And really, even in their secondary, you know, they've had a lot of losses to the NFL over the last couple of years. Their secondary, while they do make some big plays, and they're, they're fast, man. They're, they're really fast. So they can get to places that you wouldn't think they could get to in a shorter amount of time than you would think. But physically speaking, the ability to tackle um, – I, I just don't see how Ma- Washington can match up, dude. I just I feel like Michigan's just going to overpower them, and I, I think Washington will be able to score some points. Man, they're just too good; they, they can just heave up deep balls repeatedly and, and catch a fairly high percentage of them. And so I think Washington's going to be able to score, but I, I know Michigan's going to be able to score, man. Unless JJ McCarthy goes out there and just absolutely falls on his face, um, I, I just don't see how. Washington's going to be able to hold up for four quarters against that offensive and defensive front that Michigan's going to bring to the table. So I would pick Michigan. I, I think they they probably kind of dominate, man. If if I if I'm thinking logically here, kind of hurts my heart to to say all this, but um, I, I think that's the way it goes, dude. You know, if I'm thinking logically, and I I think while Washington, you know, will will be able to put up some, I'd say it's probably going to be somewhere in the like 40 to, to, to 24 range, something like that, dude. I just I think Michigan's going to be able to just drive down the field and score, you know, pretty regularly with, with that running game and mix in a couple play actions here and there and get some plays. So uh, that'd be my prediction, man. I think they're going to be able to score some points. And like I said, I think Washington's skilled enough to, to, to scrap out a, a few touchdowns over the course of the game and, and, you know, find some big plays to do that. But, um, yeah, it's just going to be a, a – a physical display, I think, by Michigan, and, and you know, that's how I think it goes. So I, I, my final score prediction would be uh, forty to twenty-four. Okay, uh, you know, I think uh, I would have to agree with a lot of what you said. In the, if it's a straight-up game, you know, nothing odd happening. Michigan's probably gonna uh, beat uh, Washington with relative ease. I think Washington's, you know, keys to victory, if you will, um, they'd be well served by Michigan having some early errors and jitters that let Washington get a, uh, a easy touchdown or two or a touchdown in a field goal early on. Um, the other thing is that um, where they're going to struggle is if Michigan – does get into this we're going to run it 20 times in a row kind of deal the uh opportunity for turnovers or things like interceptions are so much less that uh, i think that that's the real risk washington faces you know they for every seven points they score maybe washington or michigan ends up getting 10 
uh, throughout right. throughout the game, and that um, I think it's probably going to end up being myself. Uh, I hope it isn't this this bad, but I, I I'm going to say thirty five to twenty four uh, Michigan. Right. So, I mean, I think we're both in agreement. The, the key – now, I will say this. If Washington and – and um, uh, God, I can't think of his name. What, what, what's, what's the head coach's name at Washington? DeBoer? Yeah, DeBoer. So, uh, he's aggressive, too. And um, I do believe that if, if Washington is within a score – uh, at the you know as time is winding down with with four minutes to go or whatever you know something like that I definitely like Washington's chances of being able to get down the field in a in a in a have to do it kind of situation better than I like Michigan's so I mean Penix is night and day better than McCarthy so if you ask either one of those to have to throw the ball to win the game Pen- Penix is you know four levels up for McCarthy in, in that regard and McCarthy is much more likely to make a mistake than Penix and uh, less are accurate with the ball and, and just less poised. I mean, everything about it. Penix is, is amazing, man, and, and he has been all year. So uh, if, if somehow Washington can hang with them and keep it close and be within a score, I, I wouldn't put it past Penix being able to drive them down, and I wouldn't put it past DeBoer to go for two to win it you know, in a situation if it presented itself that way. You know what I mean? He's aggressive, go for it on fourth down kind of thing. I mean, he's – you know, he's, he's shown he's not afraid to gamble, and especially if he feels like he needs something to, to take a chance in order to win a football game. I mean, he did it – was that Oregon in the in the yeah. Pac-12 championship game? I think he went for it on fourth down from, like, their 30. Something like – it was something like that where I was like, oh, wow, this guy's – he ain't scared of nothing. <laughs> and so, uh, um, you know, they've shown that. And, you know, if you're successful on those gambles um, – and those kind of those kinds of choices even can put the other team on its heels. Where one, you know, you know, it's almost like being in a fight with somebody who's got nothing to lose, man. Or you know what I mean? Like if you're up against somebody who who is like, I don't care. We're, we're you know, it, it puts the other when, when you're in straight attack mode, the the opposing team all, throughout the entire roster can feel it. Like oh man, these guys are coming, dude. They are not scared of us one iota, and it, it kind of puts you on your heels a little bit in, in a defensive stance and. Um, I do think DeBoer is great at that, man. Like he, you know, he's going to let you know, hey, we're coming. And uh, if you, if Washington can keep it close, and um, you know, I, I have no doubt they would go into straight attack mode. Where I do think Harbaugh is more conservative and would play it more like uh, close to the vest and a little more like straight laced. Where DeBoer would be a little more of that like old like Boise State mentality, like let's just all ha- let it all hang out. You know what I mean? We're going and. Uh, um, I, I think in those situations, advantage goes to the aggressor and the one who, um, in, in most competitions, well, in life in general, to be honest with you, the the, um, the person who's, who's acting without fear and the person who's going after it aggressively and being on offense generally has a slight edge and, um, you know, it, it, it ends up getting better results. You know what I mean? If, if, you're, in a, if you're in an attack mode, um, I, I think you end up with a little bit better results in life than if you're on the defensive and trying to not lose and trying to not fail and trying, you know, if you're if you're that way. And that's one advantage I think Washington has. I think Harbaugh would be more likely to 
play it safe, and I think DeBoer would be more likely like to just say, screw it, I'm, we're going for the win. And that, I think, is a slight advantage to Washington in that way. But they got to have – they got to they got to be within striking distance, right? They can't be down 17 heading into the fourth quarter and be able to do those things. You know, they have to be, you know, close enough. Yeah, and the only other thing I would add is that um, if it is like that, they had the other strength that goes along with what you just said – for Washington is, for them, it's really not playing with uh, recklessly to to do that because they're used to throwing the ball uh, downfield and things like that. So unlike a team that's kind of playing that way out of desperation where they don't have a lot of experience with it, um, which if Michigan had to do that and they decided to for some reason, that's more like what they would be doing, um, Washington would be better suited to ha- I'd like their chances significantly more because it, uh, you know, would mirror what they're used to. Um, so I don't think it's, you know, I, uh, I said it's going to be an 11 point. And I don't know, man. I, I'd really love to know. Uh, I mean, I you know, they, they study this all the time. It's amazing how close Vegas is so often um, uh, about all this, you know, they say it's going to be a lot closer than either one of us did, so we'll see. Right, we'll see, and I hope it is, man. I mean, you know, the semifinal games were amazing. I mean, just awesome, awesome football games, high-quality football throughout. I mean, there were some mistakes. I mean, the inability for guys to field kicks blew me away. Man, I don't know how many punts and kickoffs were fumbled, but it was just like, holy cow, you guys. Like, come on, man. I mean, this isn't a challenging thing. I, I mean... You know, I don't know if your head's not in the game or what, but, you know, I fielded punts, and it, it's not that hard, dude. <laughs> no, you ain't doing it with 80,000 people yelling. Right, right, correct. But, uh, you know, neither. But these guys have done it with 80,000 people all year. So, um, dude, there were multiple. No, I know. I mean, I do uh, wonder about it when, it, when it happens. I mean, like, you know. I, no, they didn't go in the stat sheet as fumbles, and a couple of them. So Washington got to the point where they were squib kicking at every time. And that was a pretty cool story, too. Um, that kicker, you know, earned his scholarship this year. And, uh, you know, a really cool story, man. But um, the, uh, you know, what, what Washington ended up doing, because Texas was taken off and running, and that kid couldn't kick it deep enough for them not to take it out. Like, Texas was taking it out of the end zone every time and, and for the first, you know, three kicks or whatever. And, and they were gashing them. And it, it looked like they were just, you know, a cut or two away from breaking one like multiple times and so washington said well we're not kicking it anymore like that so they started quit squibbing it and uh just launching it low down the middle of the field and, and letting the ball bounce the way it does kind of funny and stuff and texas really struggled trying to field that and uh so they had two like fumbles on kickoffs that didn't count as fumbles because they were able to pick it up and, and go but um, and then, you know, there was a fumble, a huge fumble in the Michigan game um, on a punt, and then another huge fumble in the uh, Washington-Texas game on a punt that, that, was, that were actual turnovers. So, you know, I don't know, maybe Washington can get one of those, you know. Yeah, I don't know. It's got to be, a, I don't know, some jobs in sports are probably pretty lonely at times uh, when you're going back there to be the punt returner or uh, kickoff returner. Uh, it's kind of you against the world, man. Yeah, and I mean, there's guys running at full speed from, you know, 45, 50 yards away from you. 
and uh you know you got to have your eyes up and and you know you can still kind of see that there's bodies coming you can see the colors of the jerseys and stuff and they're getting closer and closer and closer and you're just like come on ball come on come on come on I, you know fall faster <laughs> and uh by the time they get to you they're at top speed you know in full helmets and shoulder pads and everything else so yeah no it's it's pretty scary well um we'll see before we call it a show uh, we got one more week left of the NFL. Got a lot of playoff positions up for grabs. Any anything jump out from you over this past week independent NFL games? Uh, well, I mean, you know, more and more, man, as as the season's progressed, I've just more and more um, solidified my, you know, position that uh, th- this year more than any year I can remember. Um, where games are played and and like what the weather looks like and some of the, the setting of the playoff games is going to matter more this year than ever that I can remember in the past. You know, the, the discrepancy between teams, home away splits and their, how they're built. Specifically, I'm thinking, you know, some teams like the Ravens, I think can travel anywhere and win. I think the 49ers can travel anywhere and win. So some teams it, it matters less to and those teams who it matters less to actually have the home field advantage. So it doesn't even matter at all. Like, so, so it's, you know, the Ravens would play a similar type of game, whether they were home or away anyway, but a team like the Dallas Cowboys are night and day different. I mean, they are almost unbeatable at home and they are an average team at best on the road. The Miami Dolphins are uh, amazing at home and, you know, average to below average on the road you know the conditions you know some teams aren't going to play as well in the snow the lions are another one that you know at ford field although the packers handled them there the the lions are generally um significantly better in controlled weather environments golf is significantly better when the weather is under control and uh, not having to deal with conditions that that are less than ideal so you know the teams that um have home field advantage i feel this year are at a significant it's going to be really uphill battle for someone to go into baltimore and win a football game and and same thing although uh, hopefully you know this this week coming up so i I just tried to make my picks this morning right so it's the last week of the pick them and uh you know we're we're trying to make our picks and i'm going through the games and it's like man i don't even i don't know who's playing for for all these teams So, so you know it's going to be very important um, to the point, it was so bad this year that I almost considered like looking at the settings and see if I can end the pick them in week 17 because th- it is such a crapshoot. And, you know, like in my league that I run, I do a year-end um, payouts, right, for for the people who finish first, second, third, fourth, whatever, fifth. I think it goes to like six this year. And, and uh, um, well, you know, I mean, there's there's it's pretty group pretty tight up at the top, and it's, it's going to determine who wins this thing and who finishes second and third. And this week is just it's like preseason, you know, for a lot of these games where, um, I have no idea how long the starters are going to play or if they're going to play at all. And, um, you know, paying attention to what the coaches have to say. And I liked, um, John, John Harbaugh was pretty good about it where, um, you know, he said, Hey, I'll let you guys know, like, I'm not going to keep it a secret. Like I haven't decided yet who's playing, who's not, what our, what our course of action is going to be, but I will, uh, I will let you know. And, you know, for people who, you shouldn't be playing fantasy football championships this week. If you are, if you're in leagues, you shouldn't do that. You should change that because this is what happens every year. 
and especially it seems even more so when they move to the seven, like single single by seven um, teams uh, make the playoff kind of thing. So much of it is solidified. The Chiefs are the three seed no matter what. The um, 49ers are the one seed. The Ravens are the, 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 uh, the one seed. You know, on and on and on and on where um, – there's just not that much up in the air, so you wonder what these teams really have to play for, and and will they put their their key players at risk in a game that doesn't have any meaning? So, uh, but there are some games that do matter, and um, yeah, one at Lambeau you know, Field. The yeah, that that is a huge game. The um, Bills and Dolphins is uh, depending on what happens earlier in the day. I mean, boy, you talk about like a swing. So, you know, the Bills are either, depending on what happens, you know, it depends what happens in the games earlier, but it could very well come down to, and I think it probably will based on information, um, it's going to come down to either the Bills or the two seed and get two home playoff games um, and people have to go to Buffalo to play the Bills twice, or the Bills aren't even in the playoffs at all. And that's man. That's a pretty not a whole lot of safety net there, dude. <laughs> so it's like, uh, holy cow! Talk about like a, a swing, right? You know, either either we're the second best team in the AFC, or we're not in the in even in it. And so, um, you know, the the Steelers are going to play at the Ravens and have everything to play for. And the Ravens might be playing Huntley and and sitting everybody. You know what I mean? I, I don't know why you wouldn't. Why would you risk Lamar Jackson? Why would you risk what you've what you've earned? Um, you know, I understand beating the Steelers feels real good, especially for the Ravens. You know what I mean? Like knocking the Steelers out of the playoffs would feel real good, right? To them, they they those two teams do not like each other one iota, but not at risk of our Super Bowl chances, right? And not at risk of you know hurting our MVP. Um, quarterback and in some of our key players and stuff you know so I I think the Ravens likely sit everybody and, and kind of lay down for the Steelers and um, now you're asking the, the Ravens JV team to beat the Steelers varsity team that's that's a tough ask in the NFL dude you know teams don't have enough money to you know it's not like Alabama where they can put their their second string in and it's like oh there's not even that much of a drop-off in the NFL, if you take your starters out, those are the guys that make all the money. Those are the those are the best players, and and the drop off is significant. Plus, the other guys haven't been playing. They don't have the reps. They don't have the timing. You know what I mean? That they're just not in a, as position to to succeed as the starters are. So, um, in those games where there's a team that has everything to play for, and the other team plays their JV, it's going to be really tough for that JV team to win that football game in the NFL. So. I, you know, I think the Steelers get a win, and and uh, looking at the um, schedule, the Texans Colts is a gigantic game, and obviously the the, um, the you know <laughs> how nervous are you about the Packer game, dude? Because the, the 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 Bears are not what the record says they are. Oh, the Bears are a good. The football Bears team. are a good football team, and you know, uh, like okay, the Packers had a little bit of uh, you know. They clearly looked like a better team than they did before, but you think the Bears wouldn't like to go into the offseason taking the Packers out of the playoffs? Oh, 100%. I mean, and and the, the Bears might be a better football team than the Packers, dude. Right now, the, the, as they sit offensively and defensively, I they're close, man. Those two teams are close. Now, I know the Packers are fighting for a playoff spot and the Bears are not, so you would think, oh, the Packers must be better. But that's if you watch football, that's not the case. No, nah, that so ain't the case at all, dude. Are, and the Bears are, are fighting. The Bears that. are fighting for respect. And again, this is like the oldest rivalry in the NFL, dude. And 
I guarantee you, I don't care what they say. The players know this, and they would like nothing more than to take the Packers out. And I'm sorry, but uh, the Packers' defense, uh, just because they had a good game, uh, I ain't seen enough of that to say that those woes are solved. And they've had too many games where they've just let teams have record-setting days against them. So... Uh, you know, as a Packer fan, uh, this is not a gimme. And I'm, uh, you asked me how nervous am I? I guess in my sports part of me, I'm pretty nervous. Well, as am I, man. And, I, and I'll tell you straight up, like, this is a scary, scary uh, scenario in which one team has nothing to lose. They're coming in absolutely free and loose, and they don't care. And they they absolutely want to beat the Packers. They're absolutely playing all their starters and going to give everything they have to knock the Packers out of the playoffs. And the other team has everything to lose. And so if one team's going to be loose and free, it's the Bears. And if one team's going to be tight and nervous, it's going to be the Packers. Like, oh, man, we're at home. We're supposed to win this game. We're fighting for the playoffs. Like, uh, And the Bears are just going to come in like, you know uh, – there was uh, uh we don't got a lot of time left i don't want to tell this whole story but you put it this way you if you got one dude who who don't care and he's just like you know letting it all hang out kind of like i was talking before uh man that is a terrifying scenario for the packers where you know the the other team just it doesn't matter honestly if we lose the game it's kind of not even that bad for us locks up a better draft pick for us but we want to win so we're going to show up and pull out all our trick plays we don't need to save anything for the playoff all of our fake punts and all of our two-point conversions all the stuff we've been working on and didn't get to use you're going to see all of that stuff you know, so, on the flip side, I will say this, and you could say this too, right? It's a it's an opportunity for the Packers to say and showcase who they've become throughout the year. I mean, the Packers' offense in particular, I mean, they're basically taking guys off the street pretty much to play wide receiver, um, mm-hmm. and they're still scoring points with them. So, uh, you know, if I was the coach of the team, I'd be going in there and I guess my speech, if you will, would be, you know, look, we've got, we've got this. We we're this is just, we're going to just show what we've been doing all year. So just play your game and execute like you, you've learned how to do. And let's just become that. I mean, that's what you want to get to as a team is to be the team that can just execute it all the time I don't know that they're there or not, but I mean, I'll just say that's to me the other spin you can put on it. Yeah, well, and I think the Packers are either on schedule or uh, slightly ahead of schedule in terms of where we thought they would be. Like, I'm, I'm pleasantly surprised. I'm, I love our wide receivers, and I'm, I'm happy with love. Okay, you're not there yet, dude. Like, you, st- he still. He's throwing off platform all the time when it's not necessary. He spent too much time with Aaron Rodgers where, you know, he's he's throwing balls that, you know, he's running backwards when he's throwing balls. And he has the arm talent to do it. He's strong enough um, to do it. But you hold on to your mechanics, kid. Like, dude, you 
Put your, keep your feet planted, step into your throws, make good throws when you can. Now, if you have to throw off platform and, you know, throw sidearm and, th and throw from various arm angles, great. That's awesome that you have the ability to do it. But don't be doing that stuff for no reason, man. And that's, that's what Jordan Love is doing way too much of. So hopefully when they go back over the film and they look over the season, however this ends for the Packers, that you know they go back and clean that up and say, hey, listen, we love that you can throw like a shortstop, but you don't have to throw like a shortstop every play. You know we know you can do it. Why don't you Why don't you work on your mechanics, clean up your footwork, get yourself into a good throwing position so you can consistently make accurate throws, and then you know when plays break down and you need to use your athleticism, cool. But at this point, I hope that the Packers show up with that mentality that, hey, we're free rolling. You know, we weren't even supposed to be here. Let, let, you know, let, let's us break out all our fake punts. Let's us break out our fancy two-point conversions. Let, let, let's us, um, you know, sh play like we got nothing to lose. And if they do that, then I think the Packers will beat the Bears. I just hope that they don't show up tight and, you know, with the mentality like, oh, we're almost there. We just got to win this one game, and then we get in the playoffs. You know, go out and, and earn it. You know what I mean? That's what I hope I see from them is, is that they play fast and loose and aggressive. And they're like, hey, man, if we get it cool, if we don't, we get it cool. But the point is, if you're a playoff team, you need to be able to beat the Bears. The Bears are not the Eagles. They're not the Cowboys. They're not certainly not the 49ers. These are the teams you're going to have to play, man. Like, so, you know, the Bears are not that that team. And if you want to compete in the playoffs, you could definitely have to be be able to beat the Bears at home on the final game. Oh, the, these are the games. Like, if you're, if you're going to take that next step, this is you, this is your field, your game. You you've got to win it. And uh, honestly, the number one thing that still concerns me about Green Bay, because I've just watched it for years, is the defense. Man, I, like the, the stats don't lie. Man, just right. time and again, teams have had record-setting days against them, and it's these huge plays, long runs, unreal passing. So. And you think Justin Fields wouldn't like nothing more than to light it up in Lambeau? Oh, well, he has everything to play for, too. So his, you know, his whole future is up in there. Now, I think Justin Fields is finding a landing place. No, no, no problem. Right. I don't know. You know, it's a tough call for Chicago. You know, they have the first overall pick and there's a couple of really good um, prospects available. And there is, you know, it's been shown. Um, time and time again, there is a lot of value in having a quarterback on a rookie deal to be able to make a championship run. You hit on that quarterback and get that five years of discounted pricing. Um, now you can build a team around that. Well, Fields is deeper into his contract. You don't have as big a window for him. I, I believe Chicago would love to keep Fields, but I also believe they know that, hey, man, starting over, it sucks, but... Um, man, there's a lot of value in having a, a, a $1 million quarterback or a $5 million quarterback as opposed to a $40 million quarterback. You know, if that, that other $35 million buys us a lot of wide receivers and defensive linemen and cornerbacks and, you know, it allows us to build a team. And so Fields is playing for uh, his overall value. You know what I mean? Like, hey, dude, I'm getting close to a contract one way or another, whether it's with the Bears or I get traded and I go somewhere else. Like, quarterbacks, you know, make – 200 to 500 million dollars on contracts man so fields has everything to play for you you think he don't want to showcase what his value is in the league and uh yeah he absolutely wants to say hey man i'm i'm elite and you know the packers are exactly the kind of defense that he can show that against well that, and that's you know i mean just we'll see man we'll, we'll see 
All right, Chris, and thanks everyone for listening. Once again, Chris, uh, one last time, congratulations on taking the fantasy football title. Um, probably if we go back through the archives, it probably means I owe you another dinner or something somewhere. Um, <laughs> I haven't for- totally forgot about that. So congratulations, and uh, thanks everyone for listening to the podcast to be named later. Hey, thanks, Kelly. <laughs>